Hi guys and welcome back to the Box to Box. We've um, we've been out for a little while. Um, we apologize mostly because uh, we've been fighting uh, electrical faults uh, over the past few days. And um, yeah, I think you know we're just happy enough to release another episode for you guys. Uh, I'm your host this week, Nicholas Carbola, and I'm joined only by Ramzan Komodo this week. Hello, hello. Yes, Fanny is not with us. He'll be with us next time again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like that. So, um, yeah, we're still we're still on the AFCON edition uh, of this podcast at the moment. Hence why uh, the cover art isn't changing anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, Ramzan, uh, since it's just you and me this week, I, th- I guess it's uh, appropriate to talk about AFCON to begin with. Um, so let's just gr- get straight into it. Uh, Malawi reached the, the round of 16 against Morocco and um, <laughs> uh, after holding Senegal to a nil-nil, we actually reached the round of 16 for the first time in uh, the country's history. Like, like wow, like, what, what was your reaction to that? I mean, obviously I loved it. You know me, I'm, I'm the biggest flame supporter like um, uh, in, in our group. Uh, but I do think that the celebra- some of the celebrations are a bit over the top. Like, yo, if this is if this is what we're doing in round of sixteen. We better not. We better never win this trophy because we're gonna go ballistic. But um, yeah, obviously, I'm super happy for the guys. Um, a lot of the if you did watch the game, obviously, what, what happened was Morocco had like ninety percent of the ball. I think we had like 10 percent. So <laughs> it was something like that. I mean, the the domination was so was so apparent um i i continue to defend the flames from the first minute till the end that i understand that happens in tournaments you get those games you get games where you know the other team is better than you um at least in more than one position and you just need to get the ball as quickly as possible to the other half um thus the constant booting the ball upfield um i do get it i think that to some degree that was so that was a tactic um but yeah um ultimately we all know how football works if you don't have the ball you're gonna struggle in the game and um it was a tough game to watch they, they um okay maybe something something notable that nicholas will come back to um when we're doing the second segment um i watched sofia and amrabat play in in center midfield and he was amazing in that game absolutely amazing like uh, domination you know never never under pressure never you know just so so much pressure resistance and um spurs i think i think like after a day or so we started seeing that spurs is actually interested in him and um yeah that's that was good to see but anyone who did watch the game um just you know people who do like football uh, yeah watching sufian bofal watching hakimi amrabat as i've already mentioned it was it was really good to see those guys were they were they were on point. What did you think? No, I think um, they're they're a good side. Um, I don't think Flames should be too hard done by to lose to Morocco. Of course, people would have liked it better if we lost to like a bigger name. No offense to Morocco, but you know Nigeria or probably Senegal. If we did meet them, you know, aside from the group stage, to be fair, but. You know they they played really good football and Aaron Bat was uh, was a good player as well. 
And you know, Hakimi really he really showed what he was made of um, inside inside Afcon, scoring two free kicks. Um, I'm not really sure how he's gonna be able to get the free kicks off Messi and Neymar, PSG, but he showed he showed what he's made of. To be fair. And I told you guys, I told you guys this, that that Hakimi, Hakimi was my right back pick of uh, 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 best right back in the world. He's he's I mean, if he's not there, right, he's definitely up there. He doesn't do any defending either, uh, so he's exactly like Trent. Yeah, there were so many times where, um, if we did leverage it as a team, Gabadinho and um, and Francisco Madinga, they could have had so many like two v ones because he 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 really doesn't defend. Um, but yeah, I think the team understands him so well, and he's just so good on that right side, bro. I feel so, like yeah. he does. I feel like he does have some pace on his side as far as defending is concerned. Something that Trent does not. Um, oh yeah, you know, that course. that that can obviously get him out of like sticky situations. So I don't know. I'm starting to see the vision there, and I'm. You know, like I feel bad for not putting him inside the inside our team of the year, but um, you know, I think it just it just tends to happen. But I think you know, just to dissect on Flames just a bit more, you know, Gabdino, what a tournament he's had. I mean, he scored three goals. I think he basically carried the nation on his back, and he scored, you know, the goal for me, which I think should probably be amongst the nominations. I haven't seen every goal. But um, it should be one of the goals of uh, the tournament for sure. I mean, did you see the techers on that? You know, you see, the problem with that goal, right, is that yeah. Hakimi then went and scored that free kick. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I wish he didn't do that. Nothing, take nothing away from Gavadinho to score like near halfway. Um, that was 40 no yards. Matter, no. No, no matter what, is is huge, right? Pro- probably, the, I mean, I mean, probably the best goal of the tournament. But just uh, um, we know football is a is a recency thing, right? And if, I, if just by taking recency bias, um, Hakimi scoring that free kick then just took all the headlines, and it was uh, at least internationally, right? And that was kind of annoying for me. But um, yeah, huge performances from him um, amongst other players. Yeah, so no, as in that was that was a problem. To be fair, um, I think if anything, uh, Hakimi has, uh, yeah, like he was a name that was coming out of Kylian Mbappe's mouth. It was just a shame that it took the fire away from Gabardino's performance in particular. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but um, and he was, problem, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Nick. He was he was a danger man as well for that Morocco game. Like you could clearly see the Morocco defenders. Like, like telling each other that yo, he's he's the guy that we actually have to watch out for, and um, and in in some ways maybe that was also like the downfall for Flames. Um, I've had games like that as well, where it's so obvious that um one of our guys up front is is very good. Um, we had we had cases like that with Prince a lot, right? Uh, Prince and Bright. So so the guy up front is very good. And maybe he's already scored. And every ball that you get, like you just want to get it to him um, because he seems to be the only player that's figuring everything out. And uh, usually, usually, as soon as they marginalize that player, um, it's so difficult to, to, um, to get attacks from, from other parts of the pitch. Right? There's so many chances where I saw like, like your Kuda just, just calm down. Like calm down and played back to the midfielders. But it's every chance just goes goes up front, goes up front, goes up front. And 
yeah, like I said, fr- frustrating, but hey, I can't I can't take anything from them. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I just really hope, right? Um, before we move on from flames, I just really hope that they continue playing Afghan. Like we should not have situations where like 10 years go by without us being an Afghan. Like, no way. We have to play Afghan every single year. Um, it's the only way for us to to get that that proper experience that for us to get away from this underdog um um feeling that we that we still have to today um we need to start playing like we own the place if you get what i mean and in in terms of capability it's definitely there i can name all the players in the in the flame squad and i feel like they 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 can definitely play yeah most definitely and yeah it's, it's just it's just a shame to be fair that uh you know, particularly for uh, European reasons that Gavadinho is already 29 years old. If he was if he was 23, I think, you know, there could have really been, you know, maybe a little bit of goss, you know, for him to actually like get to Europe. But uh, I think, you know, the, the future is bright, right? Like we shouldn't, this shouldn't be the only you know, time in isolation where we're coming back to AFCON. We should be coming into this tournament, like at least every single time it happens. And if we keep on doing that, then the gap will continue to close. So no, it's it's a good future, and you know we we love our country. So yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see what's gonna happen, you know, from here on in. Hopefully. All right. So just wanted to move on to the the four teams which have actually qualified to the semifinals at the moment. Uh, I wanted to talk about Burkina Faso first and foremost because they seem to be the dark horses, which. I don't really think, well, certainly we didn't really speak about them previously, um, but they did um, They did stun uh, Tunisia. And uh, I think maybe that's what AFCON is really about. The fact that you can have, um, I don't know, is it more about certain teams just being as difficult to play against as possible? Because they beat Tunisia 1-0. And what the game that they had before that, they drew nil-nil and went to penalties. So they're not really scoring that many goals, but they're actually being very difficult to beat. So I don't know whether that's like the best formula. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, experience in this competition does play a role. Tunisia, obviously, are past winners. I think they won in 2004 um, and have been a formidable side. Um um, in Africa for, for many years, right? Regardless of of um maybe FIFA rankings. Um, but yeah, obviously with Burkina Faso, I definitely didn't see it coming. Um, I don't know the number 22, I don't know what his name is, but their midfielder, uh, number 22, is also a very solid player. Um I, I, d- I did just um okay when I when I was looking through um Burkina Faso, I was looking at uh, whether any of these players actually are signed for big teams. And you'd be surprised a lot of these guys aren't even don't even have registered teams right now. I don't know whether that means they're playing in Burkina Faso, but um, you know, they're not playing for anyone registered. Like That's the midfielder that I'm telling. No, I'm I'm actually quite surprised to hear that. Like, wow. Nah, it was it, it was it was so weird. Um a lot of these guys are decent players as well. Um maybe they're just not playing in recognized leagues, but um, they're definitely not playing in Europe or anything like that. But yeah, uh, as you say, uh, a very decent group of players, and it would be great if they won. Actually, I think I might as well root for them because uh, Morocco's out as well, <laughs> and I do, and I don't want Egypt to win. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But then before we get on to Egypt, Senegal, and this is actually a very interesting case because Senegal have pushed on after having probably a really frustrating and slow start uh, among the favorites again. And, you know, but then they really seem to have actually like come into the fore and with their most recent 3-1 defeat of Equatorial Guinea, um, well, yesterday at the time of recording that is, um, you know, being their most impressive yet. And also the fact that Watford finally released his smile Asar um, into the Senegal team, they look good. Yeah, nah, I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, like they should be, I don't know whether they're in pool to win it, but I think, you know, for them to reach this late form, it's probably good for them. And that brings me to Egypt, who kind of like Senegal, I don't know whether it's uh, Mani and Salah thing, but then, you know, Egypt also had a slow start and they've also recovered from that slow start and they've navigated a bunch of narrow victories with a particularly, you know, feisty encounter with Morocco. Uh, I watched the Morocco game. It was um, it was it was very bitey, and you know those it had some red card potential in it because it was a bit of a scuffle, almost like a bit of a fight that almost broke out. And uh, Morocco did score first against Egypt, and then Egypt ended up uh, equalizing thanks to Salah, and then Salah you know sets up um, another goal for I think uh, was it Trezeguet uh, in the you know in extra time actually just to going to win the game and then pretty much gets painted as a solid masterclass as you would expect. But, uh, you know, they've, it seems as though maybe uh, people were complaining about the fact that Salah was missing Trent, that, um, you know, Mohamed Elneny doesn't have a progressive passing bone in his body. But, um, <laughs> they're not wrong. They're not wrong at all, but it seems as though Elneny has actually marshaled that midfield well enough for them to be in the semis. I mean, just think about it. Mohamed Elneny, nominated for the Ballon d'Or, having won Afcons. <laughs> no, it's never bad. No, 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 no. Maybe that's a bit too far fetched. I think Afcon doesn't really get you too many Ballon d'Or shells. So probably pick a few players from the competition. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, Egypt and Senegal, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the final. I wouldn't be surprised if, because uh, they're on two opposite sides, obviously, because Burkina Faso, I think, is. Uh, is facing Egypt while Cameroon, um, sorry, Cameroon is facing Egypt and Burkina Faso facing Senegal, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, and that brings me to Cameroon, which I had to finish, you know, emphatically. I told you, Ramzan, not to disrespect them. I, I'll give you one thing. They haven't faced top opposition yet, but with home soil behind them and the fact that they had the two top scorers in the competition, Abu Bakar with six, Akambi has scored five, I don't know, but I just can't help but to feel that they are in pole position to win this tournament. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, they're at home. Exactly. Like you just, you just can't dispute the fact that they're at home. Um, there's, there's nothing better than that at the moment. So uh, yeah, I think, you know, um, maybe an early prediction. What do you think is going to be the final? Yeah, I think I think Cameroon goes through. Cameroon goes through. Is, is man is money gonna play? I think so, if I'm not mistaken. He left with a head injury. Did he? He did. He left the pitch with a head injury. He he got uh, I don't know if it was concussed or what, but he, he had a head injury or a knock. 
and then he got back onto the pitch and then he scored and then he left the pitch again. I don't know if he left because of the head injury or, or I mean, I, the thing is, I don't imagine any other reason why Mane would, would not finish that well, game. Well, he's facing Burkina Faso with Senegal. Okay, okay. I don't know, like Senegal could probably beat Burkina Faso without Mane, uh, possibly, because, well, they're still a good squad. I don't know. Like, it's still a shady game, to say the least, because... But with the resilience that Burkina Faso has shown, and, I mean, Flames held off Senegal, and and Senegal didn't have a great game against Flames either. Um, You know what? I'm actually going to gamble that Burkina Faso and, and, and Cameroon actually go to the final. I think the final doesn't include Egypt or Senegal. Um, just, just on, just by really looking at how the whole tournament has played out, um, I think the gods want Cameroon and and Burkina Faso to play in the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think no, it, it it would make sense, and you know, like in front of in front of their own crowd, I'll, I'll still back Cameroon to win. But no, I think um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Any last word? Nick, I don't want Egypt to win. It's going to be all about Salah, and Salah is a fantastic player, and I respect him to the ends of the world. But I don't want Egypt to win. It's going to be all about him. If yeah. if yeah, the Ballon d'Or is going to start coming back, I don't want I don't want Senegal to win either because then it's going to be all about money. <laughs> I want I, I do you know what? Honestly, there there have been those hints throughout Afcon, um um, and you know fair fair enough the people who read. Um, the UK publications um, um, are more interested in UK-based players, and that's fair. But I do, I do want a lot more light being shown on, on, on different players and other players, and the, the bunch of players this Afcon that have played very quality football. Uh, I said this month that I was not gonna watch, I was not gonna watch any any other competition apart from Afcon. I almost stuck by it. I, I don't know which Premier League game I watched. I, I watched uh, I watched United play. Um, um, I watched United play a few weeks ago. But I but I, I've been I've been watching only Afcon, and it's been a good tournament to me at least. No, it, it really has, and we we've enjoyed it, and we're probably gonna be, uh, you know, catching probably the aftermath. I don't know whether we'll record an episode before the final or probably after, but. Yeah, I think uh, we'll see how it goes. And yeah, big ups to the competition. It's still been a great, well, an entertaining competition, to say the least. And yeah, let's uh, get into the next sec. All right. So for this segment, we are discussing the transfer window. And uh, Ramzan, like, where better to start than Newcastle United? Oh, yes. I told you guys. I told you guys. Newcastle, <laughs> you, you give these guys a chance. If you, and then and, and this has been, they've gotten a bigger chance than I thought they would get. And um, um, they, they're not signing like so much players from England, right? They sign, they're going to be signing from abroad. Yeah, oh, man. If, you, if these guys don't get relegated. Issue guys, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> like let's let me let me let me shed some detail. They've gotten they got Kieran Trippier, and I think getting Trippier was actually the key to show that okay, you pulled an international yes. player, an international player, you know, renowned with England, Gareth Southgate, and then pretty much all of a sudden, okay, Chris Woods just said, okay, like let me, uh, they were never gonna sign Bappe, 
<laughs> obviously. But, um, you know, they, they get Chris Wood because you're not going to be able to get a top striker who's already playing in Europe to come for a relegation scrap. But getting somebody that is Premier League proven, you know, or should I say proven talent has actually been what they've been going for as well as, you know, somewhat like some something which Burnley probably don't know too much about and that's getting non-English players uh, most of the time. <laughs> Um, but um, not even just Trippier, but they've actually gotten Target and uh, Dan Byrne from, from Brighton. And I think the marquee signing... Yeah, they, 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 they made the Target and Byrne signings just about an hour ago. I, I just saw it on Sky Sports. <laughs> oh, that's mad. Why, why did Brighton do that? I have... Well, I guess when you think about it, like I think they're pretty content with a back three of Dunk, Webster... And I guess what oh, okay, I don't know. Man. I don't know whether Duffy's still there, but I think they're pretty content with it. Uh, but of course, Burn used to be used as a left back by Graham Potter. I don't know how in the hell he was getting away with that, but <laughs> um, yeah, they they've done that. But then it looks like the marquee signing here is Bruno Guimaraes, and Bruno Guimaraes was tutored to go to Arsenal, and Arsenal have absolutely slept through this entire transfer, they still haven't made a signing, and I don't think they're making a signing. And uh, Bruno G, you know, for 30, what, 36 million pounds, uh, CDM, he's not your typical six. He's a six which has the, the mindset of a progressive eight. And I think, you know, pulling him is actually quite impressive when you think about the situation at Newcastle. And of course, he's not like a world beater yet, but I think he's, I think there's a player in there you know, considering how many people actually want to sign them. And I think Newcastle jumped the line by paying the cash, which no other team wanted to pay this January. Yeah, no, for sure. When we spoke at the beginning of the season and we, um, and, and okay, you know, when Newcastle just uh, changed ownership and, and we made that fantasy, um, fantasy 11, I forgot who exactly was in there. But um, we did know that something like this was going to happen. We knew that there was going to be big changes in, in, in this team um, to get them to um, where they want to be. Obviously, not, not, much, not much happens in January. Um, January is usually for like impact signings, really. Um, did you notice that a lot of the players that we did mention in that team that we built up were getting linked to Newcastle, by the way, like quite a lot of them to be fair, particularly, you know, your Jesse Lingards, your, you know, your Deli Alleys and Banda Bakes, which were kind of obvious yes. to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, because it makes sense. Right. Um, um, we, we thought, we thought about it. Um, they do want marketing as well. They do want players that are at least somewhat recognized um they they also i think newcastle was also targeting players that um are out of favor if you know what i mean yeah yeah like yeah. Delhi, like Delhi i mean there's no point trying to sign son right um you're not going to get him regardless of how much money you have but Delhi ali that becomes a lot more possible uh jesse lingard that becomes a lot more possible uh van der beek same thing um so they no they did a fair bit of bit of good business um um, over this over the winter break and yeah they they might make it out man they might they might make it out and um i think regardless of what happens right john joe shelby stays in that team 
have you seen John Joshua over the last three, over the last three weeks? I told you guys at the beginning of the season that if there's one player who can keep his spot in this team, it's John Joshua. There's no one else. Even San Maximan is not safe. Shelby is the only Shelby is the only person who can keep his spot. Okay, no, no, I'll give you, I'll give you credit. He he has been playing well, and you know, ever since you tutored him, usually whenever you mention that somebody's gonna play well, they end up doing the opposite. You kind of jinx it, to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, no, I think you know, Shelby, Bruno G in the midfield, and I think, uh, I think honestly, Joe Willock. Joe Willock. I th- I think I think they'll stay up, or I think well, they have a good chance of staying up. But at the moment, you know, as far as the relegation fight is concerned, Norwich all of a sudden have gotten, you know, Sargent, uh, that American midfielder, playing like as if he's Frank Lampard. And all of a sudden, Burnley have signed Veghorst from, from Wolfsburg. And I'm very surprised, like Daichi going into the foreign market, you know, that that's pretty impressive to be fair and a good striker as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think the relegation battle is going to be very interesting considering what's going to happen here. And I think, you know, the likes of Everton have to watch out because Everton's actually fighting for relegation, which brings me to Everton, who have made some signings. They have gotten Deli Alley and Donny van de Beek. But then maybe the most important sign they've made may yet be Frank Lampard. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I don't know whether the signings that Everton has made are entirely attributed to Lampard. Um, but, but I mean, probably, right? Uh, you want to be coached by someone who you feel um, does understand the game, especially for midfielders, that's very important. Um, um, especially midfielders that are out of favor. If, if you feel like, if you feel like um, you're being coached by someone who isn't just a coach, but someone who has played in, in there um, um, and can guide you as much as possible, I, I think that I think that it is a good thing. So, um, yes, Lampard probably the most important signing. The Rafa Benitez thing just always seemed off. Like right, you know that that never looked like it was going to work. I have no idea what they were thinking. Getting a former Liverpool manager to manage Everton. Yeah, yeah, because I mean the fans would never be behind him. And um, well, right at the beginning of the season, they they lost. James Rodriguez. Um, to be fair, DCL has been injured for like half the season. Uh, that that isn't that isn't uh, Benitez's fault. Um, but it's just been hard for them to get results, and even fantasy. Like you can't put any Everton players in your fantasy these days. No, no. I <laughs> I, I, I tried putting Andre Gray and Townsend like here and there, and they have just completely. Yeah. They they cost me a couple of places. To be fair. Um, yeah, uh, but moving on from Everton, well, yeah, I think, you know, they've, we'll see how it develops there. Lam, you know, Lampard at Everton, Gerard at Villa. But uh, before I actually speak about Villa, I want to go, you know, to Spain. Uh, Barcelona are, you know, probably the, the team that we didn't think was going to be running a rough shot in this January transfer. And in fact, my question is, how are they doing this? I thought this club was broke. I thought this club didn't have money. I thought they couldn't pay, but yet they paid 46 million pounds to sign Ferran Torres from Manchester City. How are they doing this? But that's the only question that's, you know, that's ringing in my head. They've actually gone Ferran Torres. Adama Traore has gone on loan. And now they have officially signed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from Arsenal on a free 
just so that he can pay all they can pay all of his wages. Like, what do you think about that? Barcelona's vision, you know, um, Xavi mentioned that he wanted to entertain the fans. We want to play attacking football. Some people are confused by the signings that he's making, seeing that they're not typical Barcelona signings. But what do you make of it? Is it just him kind of like making sure that at least we know how to score goals? Yeah, yeah Barcelona is one shady club, I must say. I have no idea how they're doing it. Um, perhaps we'll see later. I don't know why it's not bigger news. You'd expect that a lot more people are asking questions, but it seems like no one is asking questions. Everyone's just kind of like, oh, I think, I think people would only people would only ask questions if it's Arsenal <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, when you think that six, seven months ago, they couldn't get messy because of massive wages and they've constantly been complaining about um having aging players on massive wages and then they take up all these loan deals with i mean Aubameyang's wages are like what three three hundred fifty thousand a month um that can't be easy on the club can't be easy on a club that um um had financial problems just a couple just a couple months ago but still anyway i guess none of my business let me just comment on the football um i wasn't too happy at first i'm I'm more okay with it now but i wasn't too happy at first because it did look like barcelona is signing a bunch of spanish players um i saw they were interested in aspiriqueta uh ferran torres is, is spanish alva they were interested in morata who is spanish uh Adamatore Spanish. Um, it was making me feel a certain type of way. Um, and I know whatever, it's the it's their team and their country, and they're entitled to whatever. But I think if I was Memphis Depay, if I was Frankie De Jong, I would start to feel a certain type of way now being surrounded by uh, okay, now in seeing the signings that the club are making. Um, it is better with Aubameyang. Um, at least I, I think I think Aubameyang is still better than Morata. <laughs> you, you know um, you know you know like speaking on Murata, like Juventus have been trying their absolute best to find a poor soul of a club to actually sign this time around it'll and you know it almost made me cry when I heard that he was you know being linked to Arsenal like I was really seeing a whole bunch of open goals getting missed and a whole bunch of one <laughs> a whole bunch of one-on-ones getting absolutely wasted <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, I wonder how he feels just moving. Like, I think what 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 country has he not touched at this stage? He may as well go to PSG now if they're looking for a striker. Since you know, um, of course, you know, I just want to like move on the conversation a bit. Barcelona have done what they've done, um, and you know, we, we hope that they'll be successful in it. But uh, I just want to speak about some big news which we also got uh, Mbappe, which is not really news. I think everybody already knew. Mbappe's, you know, made a pre-contractual agreement to go to Real Madrid. Um, what was your reaction to that? Unless you're just like, oh, well, no, the grass is green. So, Yeah, the grass is definitely green. Who didn't know that? I mean, I mean, he's repeatedly refused to sign contracts. At the beginning of the season, um, when Madrid was trying to do their, their dodgy stuff and trying to sign him for 100 million, um, he didn't outright like condone anything. He he says that he's committed to PSG, but I mean, yeah, so what? Yeah, how committed are you until you actually sign a contract? Um, yes, obviously he was gonna go to Madrid. 
um happy for him i hope it works out um it 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 would definitely be a step up a huge weight on his shoulders um we'll see yeah um we'll see um you know other teams that have been active liverpool and spurs have made some signings as well i think liverpool are looking long term to slowly replace salah and mane particularly mane since it seems as though salah wants to continue playing until he's 36 um, you know, they, they got Luis Diaz, don't know too much about him. He's from Colombia. He's a left winger, came from Porto. And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of fans are getting excited over him. We'll, we'll see how he gets on at Liverpool. But usually club signings never don't usually miss too much because I think Klopp is very good at signing players or whoever signs the players for Liverpool in the scouting system. And uh, Conte's got some signings because I felt like if Conte didn't get signings at Spurs, he'd probably walk out like he usually does. Uh, Bentancur, yeah, Bentancur and Kulisevsky, you know, a double deal coming all the way from Juventus. I don't know how that's really going to help them. Kulisevsky doesn't really strike me as a player that gets me excited if he was signing for my club. I don't know too much about him, to be fair. Bentancur is, I don't know whether he's even better than Oliver Skip, <laughs> um, you know, to say the least. But uh, those are just some signings there. Yeah, so I I understand what you mean. Um, and I think Spurs right now don't need rotation players. They've had they've had rotation players for a long time. I think they needed like proper starters. You know, they needed they really needed players to complement Kane and Son because you know, Kane and Son carry so much attacking burden. Um, yeah, it's I don't know if I see it's a shame. I guess it's what it's what Conte wanted. And they really pushed it to the end. Um, Kulusevsky is, and he can be an exciting player. He is quick, very two-footed. Um, he is dynamic. I don't, I don't think it's worked out. I don't know if it hasn't worked out, but he, he is really young as well. Um, maybe he is still in developmental for 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 Juventus. Um, but at least that has some promise, right? Uh, I don't, I don't mind Kulusevsky and Bentenko is more than capable. Um, it's just, I get what you mean. The, neither yeah. of these players, like neither of these players, light it up, you know. Yeah, um, but then, then yeah, Dombele goes the other way. <laughs> like, well, like why? Like why? Why hasn't Dombele worked out? I don't get it. <laughs> I think, I think, I think we will have a segment about um, you know, like big money signings not really working out. We will talk about that in a segment one time. But you know, maybe just on a more positive note, there are two signings which I think. I think maybe, you know, us, the, the old souls, uh, the people that we probably idolized, particularly in 2014 and 2015, uh, Coutinho has gone to Villa and Anthony Martial has gone to Sevilla. Um, those, two, those two look like really good signs for their respective clubs. What do you think about those two in particular? Like, I don't know what you think about Coutinho in particular, but um, aren't you an admirer of Martial? Like, or at least, well, I, I know I used to like him. When uh, when he just burst onto the scene, yes, Coutinho I like very much. Um, he's he's in my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of I'm one I'm one of those guys. Um, so yeah, yeah, Coutinho I like very much. Um, he knows Gerard. I think I think if he applies himself, lots of work rate, it, it can still work out, man. He's a good player. Um, and Marcel, I I I don't know. I, you don't, I, know. I don't have like I don't really have feelings about him, but again, he's young. It doesn't. It's kind of weird how like United sent Martial and then 
five years later signed like seven players who play in his position. No, but uh, then I think I think I think it was I think it was it was awkward when they had Martial and then Rashford comes and then Lingard like does his thing and then then it's like you're thinking, okay, they can all work together. Then all of a sudden they sign a new striker, then they get another left winger, they like it's almost like as if even when they thought that he was still playing well, they just never really trusted him. But yeah, like I would like to see what he does in Sevilla. And um, you know, you know, it'd be you know, it'd be proper great for Martial what? is if he gets if he actually like chooses his position. Hmm. Like if he's if he's a number nine, and I've said this about Rashford before, that if 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 you're a number nine or if you're a striker, like I want you to really back yourself as a striker. Like, 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 I think Rashford should be saying that I know Harry Kane, I know Harry Kane starts for England, but I'm a striker and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to push for that Kane slot. Mm. Right. And, you know, um, that, that's, that's a very risky game to be fair. <laughs> um, you know, I, that makes me think of Theo Walcott. <laughs> okay. Okay. True. Right. I, I mean, if he's not, if he's not that, then, then fair. Right and then Walker it really it really did not work out. He really tried to push the striker. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I I totally get what you mean by like you should be you should be pushing for it. But um, you know, just for the sake of time, we should just uh move on a bit from that one. But um, yeah, I do know what you mean by the whole like try to get yourself and pick a position. But uh, I do hope works out for Martial. To be fair, um, I just want to mention one last signing, uh, which which has been made and I think is great for football. Uh, Christian Eriksen. He's, he's signed for Brentford, which is which is amazing if you ask me, considering what happened at the Euros. Lovely, uh, an amazing footballer as well. Um, he he'll obviously make a difference to that to that side. Experience, um, energy. He'll he'll be wanting to prove a point. Yeah, Burnley, Bre- uh, not Burnley. Sorry, Brentford have got themselves a good player. Yeah, which which I think, you know, he'll, he'll spark it up. And I hope, uh, you know, like they said, he passed his fitness checks. So, um, you know, whether we'll get the Ericsson of old, we'll see. But if we do, then Brentford have a hell of a player. And probably that will seal their status if it hasn't been sealed already inside the Premier League because they look like they're most definitely staying up. Um, yeah, so um, that's pretty much, unless you have any other chances, which I've missed in particular, but... Um, yeah, we should be getting to the final segment. Okay, so for this next segment, uh, we are going to talk about um, what has happened over the last few days, I think. Um, yes, normally the box to box would not be in the business of discussing tabloid news. Uh, but because it is like very, it's very much in the world of football, um, it seemed necessary. Okay, it seemed necessary for us to. Um, um, talk about it, especially in a more like like educational and you know beneficial um, way, and to speak more around it than about about what happened, right? So um, we are of course talking about uh, Mason Greenwood and and his incident. Um, obviously wishing the girl well. Um, some very uncomfortable things to see. Um, but um. In light of what happened um, with that, Nicholas and I spoke quite a lot yesterday, um, and we talked about uh, some of some of the implications that come with playing football um, too young, right, or playing professional football too young. Um, 
So um, in, not in any way saying that what happened here was simply because of his youth, but um, we, we, did, we did start to look at um, maturity in footballers and whether um, there could be some things, whether there could be some things to be done just to make sure that when players are getting into the league, um, they have um, themselves in order. Right. So um, when I did talk to Nicholas about this, I gave him the example of a, a podcaster that I listened to. Um, I don't think he's a podcaster. He's more like a, a radio show host. His, his name is Colin Cowherd, and he does um, um, sports news for, for, uh, for Fox News. Right. And, he, and so he covers mostly NFL and, and um, NBA stuff. And so he says that there's a clear correlation with um, maturity and uh, so, so staying out of trouble, basically, right, and going to college, right? So I was saying to Nicholas that, do you think that more, more should be done to ensure that players go to uni? Because you'd agree with me, I think, that uh, when, you, when you go to uni, yes, you get the video games out of, out of your system, you get the, I don't know, the drunken nights out of your system, I guess, um, and by the time that you're out of uni, yes, you are somewhat, you know, ready to be a man, right? And, and, and that's what they find a lot in the NBA and the NFL as well, where players are entering the league when they finished college and um, that automatically, oh, okay, not automatically, but um, in some ways makes them more mature players. So they become players that um, focus more on family, focus more on career and focus more on, uh, a bit more long-term thinking, right? You can just imagine some players, players like Neymar, players like uh, um, like Kylian Mbappe, right? Have been very much in the limelight since they were like 12, 13, 14 years old. Maybe started signing their the first pro contracts at 16, 17. So really started to touch big money really early. I can only imagine the sort of like impact that that would have on someone. So, um, yes, before I go any further, Nick, what do you think? Do you think the players should, uh, do you think that, you know, those sort of regulations should be there on players finishing uni um, um, or for there to be an added advantage if you decide to stay in uni and play football while still being in uni? Honestly, I think this is something that I can get behind. Um, We're not by any way saying that this is, like the solution to ensuring that, you know, players, you know, are pretty much brought up in somewhat more humble and, uh, you know, mature in nature. But then when we think about footballers uh, in general, football has so many players going through the system that pretty much, you know how, like, sometimes they say that you have a one in a million chance of becoming a pro. Um, you know, they don't really joke about that, considering how many people actually get to do it there are some players which are probably already earning a not so modest wage of 85,000 pounds a week. And they probably maybe already dropped out of school, like just to play that football, you know, professionally. And um, they probably already moved out of their parents' house. They probably already, you know, gone straight into doing all this, you know, adult life stuff, like straight away. Some people already having, some people already having kids, um, you know, like, you know, quite early whenever I see how many people, already fathers at this stage when I didn't even know, like, you know, quite at all. But um, I think kind of like the American system, it should be there um, to a certain extent. I think 
or at least to a certain extent for footballers, you know how like some footballers like have already like kind of given up or not given up, but then some of them haven't really taken school that much in their teenage years in particular. It's more like you've been, you've basically been, you know, like nurtured to play football only. And that's like the only way that you can get out. There are people in situations whereby like, that's probably the only way they can get out. But there's some people whereby they do have the opportunity to make sure they, they educate themselves, but they just don't take it just because they know that pretty much I'm going to be become a pro. I'm going to be a pro footballer and, you know, pretty much, you know, with the amount of money, which I'll probably be earning, I'm already a good player. I probably may not need it. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking that pretty much if you do the college system, of course, some people might call it the American way, but uh, you uh, graduate from college and kind of uh, make it up the ranks, especially if you have the means to do it, because not everybody has the means to do it. I think that should be like a good pathway into uh, making it pro. And obviously, you know, character work can definitely be done if you have the freedoms that you're supposed to have as a normal player because you're not really subjected to a normal life exactly because I think if, if we have noticed um, footballers do essentially become celebrities uh, if you've noticed whereby like you're supposed to be a professional athlete but at some point you do become a celebrity as well just because of how many fans like you do garner because of the exposure you give yourself by playing football, playing while scoring goals, assisting, you know, doing flicks and tricks for you. Um, but I think, yeah, like, I can't really like say too much, uh, too much more than that. But, you know, there's just a couple of things which we have to acknowledge will not allow us or allow people to have to do it that way. Because in America, I think it's, you know, I think maybe the reason why they do is because the NBA what's a five-a-side league, for, for example, but it also happens in the NFL as well. But, um, you know, there's there's far more, you know, complicated things that work for that to work. But I think that's something which, you know, should be mentioned at the very least, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I do definitely understand the limitations. Um, uh, more than anything else, I'm, I'm, I'm posing a hypothetical, right? So let's, let's say that um, it was actually done. Let's say that there was a um, there was a requirement for you to finish to finish college, or or at the very least to restrict um, agent player direct talks until you were twenty one. I'm I'm thinking about the players here, yeah. right? And and unfortunately, yes, the game doesn't doesn't necessarily serve only them. But if there was a way, right, for for football to be to be football, right? Um, I, I would I would want a lot of the you know the big money name players that we know today for them to spend like two more years out of the limelight. You know, I, I wonder what that would do for for player development. For them to spend two more years out of the limelight, for them to wash their own boots, you know, for for a couple of seasons. I just I just think it would end up it it would end up um um turning out more mature players um, um players that um understand uh, not that they don't understand the game not that, i'm not saying that all of them are ungrateful or what but yeah. uh, just for them just for them to feel that i think that it would it would change their their outlook on on football as a whole and just before you just before you get um, um into it again um i did mention to you as well that that players are playing for a bit longer now 
right? Yeah, so, um, pre- so, so previously we could see that uh, like Cantona retired at like 29 or 30, something like that. Um, and, and player careers would typically be like 10 years, right? From 20 to 30 or something like that. If you're lucky, if you're lucky 15. But players are playing for a lot longer than that now. Right, yeah. Benzema, Benzema is in his prime at 34. Um, Papu, Papu Gomez is is 33. Uh, Aubameyang is 32. Thiago Silva is 37. So people yeah. are still playing. They 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 they're lengthening their primes. Ibrahimovic is, is 40. Right. Yeah. So so now if you can play football longer because of medicine and physiotherapy and all the good all the good things about sports science, yeah. surely you can also start your career slightly later yeah there's um, no there's no need there's no need to start like i see you but you painted it brilliantly there that there's really like of course you know when the problem is when you think about certain certain chance that you need to get you know playing football professionally as soon as possible you know you see the argument there but yeah like if you have like enough dedication and work ethic then you can start your career at 25 i think jamie vardy is a player which you're probably thinking about like didn't he start his career late? Yes. Yeah, he's 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 definitely he's definitely one of the examples. I mean, he's he's dropping off as well. Um, maybe that's fair. Um, but hey, look in basketball, right? You hardly ever find like twenty-two-year-old players who are all stars. Like never. Uh, one one or two. It might be Luka Doncic or someone like that. Like one or two. But most of the time, like. You really are in the league. Uh, it took it took Giannis like six years, like yeah. six years before he became the player that he is. Right. Yeah. Um, that that sort of um, I don't know what I should say. Should I say it's a time or the time to grow? I just think it's not really extended to football players. I think a lot of players have one or two bad seasons, and like that's it. Like that's it. Like or, or they have one good season, then a lot of money thrown at them. And then it doesn't work the next season or next two seasons, and like that's it. Yeah, and, and that makes me really sad. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is really unfortunate. Like I think we can't really win, or they can't really win in, in this situation because it almost you know, you almost don't get any time in football to really show what you're made of. It's you know pretty much it's like you either play well like in your first few trials or you're a bust, or it's either you um you know, you, you, you do a job for us, otherwise you're going on loan, you probably might not see the first team again in case we just decide, you know, we want to get somebody else. And, um, you know, it is it is quite unfair, like, you know, the more that we actually, like, you know, dig into this. But at the same time, I think it's also probably the nature of the fact that it's a bit too internationalized as far as the threshold of the amount of people that you have inside this, inside this sport in comparison to the NBA, NFL, which use these college systems because first and foremost, they're thinking of one country. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah, more than anything else. But at the same time, like I guess maybe that just shows how vicious football actually is um, in comparison to other professions because I actually do uh, feel for certain players. I think, you know, Deli Alley, um, you know, a lot of people say that he peaked, he peaked at 20. Um, 
and then pretty much he's only burnt. <laughs> Yo, that's, that's not fair. That's not no, fair. no, 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 no. But then, but then it is true. It is true. He did peak Yo, at his 20. His career, his career isn't over. Yo, you guys. No, 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 no. What I mean, no, no. What I what I mean is that his career is not over, of course. But he did peak at twenty, and since that peak at twenty, all of a sudden he has had a massive drop off since then because he hasn't had a great season since maybe like I'll say like maybe 2018-19 was the last time he had a decent season, uh, if we're being honest with um, with ourselves. But uh, what I mean is, is that you see how quickly your career can actually be like subjected to pretty much like, not really shame, but then everybody thinks that you can't do it anymore just because, well, they can, they can literally dismiss you that early in your career. Hence why like you, you, almost get, you almost get afraid that, okay, if I come into the sport at 25, like they might dismiss me just because they know that I'm about to turn 30. And there's, there's a huge, there's a huge, you know, there's a lot of baggage in football when it comes to turning 30. Now that's like, I think maybe it's just because of EA sports in particular. I think they're the ones that put in the mentality more than anything else. So once you turn 30, then your legs also suddenly just go from 90 pace to like 20 pace. But that's what we're saying. That's definitely going away. Yeah, it's going away sports science is helping people can people can play for longer i don't i think ibrahimovic might be you know maybe the first mainstream but i don't think he'll be the last i think a lot of players are going to play well into their 40s yeah like I it's, think, it's, it's, it's gonna start to happen yeah it's gonna i think it'll be happening a bit you know more and more often but it also depends on the temperament of the generation to come because i'm just thinking to myself do i see bukayo saka playing until he's 40 you know no, like i don't know what, no no i mean like this there's like certain players where you can see you can see it it's almost like as if you have to be built not even built different but then your mentality you have to be an absolute mentality monster to continue doing it it seems it's, it's almost like as if it's almost impossible to ask like no matter the sports science your ronaldo's your messi's you know like the, the 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 amount of work that you had to put in, I felt like people are scared of that, which I understand because it, it is very hard work to maintain yourself like that. I th- I mean, Saka, Saka's calves are done after every single game. How's he gonna play to? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I think yeah, maybe nah. yeah, but then you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like you know, I just hate it when you when you like talk down like that, but <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm not. I'm not talking down. I'm, no, uh, no, what I'm no, trying no. to see is Saka does work. He works very hard, but yeah, that's the thing. If you work yeah. too hard, you know, maybe too early in your career, maybe like um. But then you see Deli Ali. He hasn't really worked that hard, but yet he's finished. Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> no, 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 no. But then, you no. Know, on on a real note, I think um, you know, it's interesting, and you know, football doesn't necessarily have to be a robotic thing. We all have to remember that everybody's uh, everyone's human. Everybody is their own person um people can make their own decisions and yeah like we just we just want to make sure that you know like we just we, we love the sport and that, that's all we ever really want to to show on this podcast just to make sure that people know that um we're just trying to bring out the best and what we know inside the sport in particular um i don't know whether you have another word for that um no um but as we but as we said from the start we don't we don't condone or support anything that 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 happened over the last two days um very 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 shocking behavior but um yeah we decided to speak on larger things um outside of that um 
um, at least to make it more interesting and to make it more fun for the podcast as well. But yeah, anyway, Nicholas, well put, bro. Um, and yeah, I think with that, we're going to close. We, I don't know if, yeah, we'll probably have one more AFCON episode and then we should get back to like more regular, um, more regular uploads. Because um, yeah. we're all going to go back to school in a bit. So we'll probably go back to like once a week or once every two weeks, something like that. Um, so these won't be like so weird anymore. Um, but yeah, if you have listened this far, thank you for listening. Um, and and please continue to come and continue to um, share to people who might be interested in, in the same or similar sort of stuff. And um, with that, we'll see you next time.